Welcome to WTVU News Today. I'm Stella Lawrence. Boston has been cooling off to the 70s from a high in the 90s on Wednesday. Temperatures this weekend are expected to stay in the high 70s, low 80s this weekend before hitting the 90s again at the beginning of the week. Grace Ferguson is here now to report on new restrictions on gatherings announced by Boston University. Boston University won't allow more than 25 attendees at in-person indoor gatherings this fall, excluding classes. Outdoor gatherings can have more attendees, but they'll be approved on a case-by-case basis. Outdoor gatherings also have to get a permit from the city. The new policy was shared in an email to the BU community on Friday. The email says the university expects most events this fall to be virtual. Per BU's new visitor policy, only BU community members are allowed at university-sponsored events. Outside visitors have to be approved by the Dean of Students or the Deans of Individual Schools and Colleges. Friday's email encouraged registration or ticketing for events and name verification for attendees when they arrive. All attendees have to wear a mask and stay six feet apart. They also have to show a green status BU COVID compliance badge. BU's health app will generate this badge for community members who are up to date on COVID-19 tests and haven't reported any symptoms. Hosts have to complete event checklists to get their event location approved. These will include site diagrams, but Friday's email didn't offer more details. In Salt Lake City, Utah, I'm Grace Ferguson for WTBU News. Joining us now is Melissa Ellen with a debrief on how the school year will look for students in the Boston public school system. Boston public schools will receive a helping hand this upcoming school year to ensure that the students are able to have successful remote learning experiences. BPS is currently finalizing its learning plans for fall but has determined that some remote learning will likely be the norm for the students in its jurisdiction. BPS is currently devising a hybrid plan given that social distancing is a major criterion for schools that plan to reopen for in-person teaching. BPS has said that it simply does not have the space for all students and teachers to return to its classrooms while maintaining a six-foot distance at all times. BPS is the largest school district in Massachusetts, accounting for 50,000 students. Given the development, the Lena Park Community Center in Dorchester and Boston City Councilor Julia Mejia have decided to step up and lend BPS a helping hand. BPS will implement learning pods provided by the community center, which will be rooms where students can go to learn that are not within BPS. The learning pods will be equipped with Chromebooks for students in need, internet access, and classroom facilitators to help guide the students through their work. Funding for the program is being provided by a grant obtained by Mejia. The pods are an attempt to alleviate some of the pressures and strains that remote learning has put on families since the start of the pandemic in March. The pods will consist of a total of 20 students grouped by grade. At this time, Dorchester reported that it can only support 20 students, but similar pods and initiatives have already started being implemented statewide. In Boston, Massachusetts, I'm Melissa Ellen for WTBU News. And now we'll head over to Stephanie Joseph for a story about how New York school districts will reopen in the next few weeks. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announced that all New York school districts will be allowed to reopen in a briefing on Friday. 
Cuomo cites low transmission rates as the reason for his reopening efforts. The final decision on reopening will ultimately be left up to local officials and superintendents. All 749 school districts must submit a reopening plan to the Department of Health and the State Education Department, but so far, 147 school districts have not. In New York City, public schools are set to reopen on September 10th and will bring children back in a hybrid format that has them only attend in-person classes one to three days a week instead of full-time. Cuomo also stressed teacher safety during his briefing, saying any teachers who are older than 65 or have pre-existing conditions can get exemptions and work remotely. Some believe that more needs to be done before schools reopen, such as improving ventilation and increasing the amount of school nurses. Others believe that the move could help low-income families who cannot work from home. So far, New York has one of the lowest positivity rates in the U.S., at around 1%, but Cuomo has said that he will reassess plans should districts meet or surpass his positivity threshold. In Laurel, Maryland, I'm Stephanie Joseph for WTBU News. I've got your next story, which includes results from Thursday's Tennessee primary races. After a tough campaign, the Thursday primary results revealed the next Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate to be Bill Haggerty, President Donald Trump's first ambassador to Japan. Trump endorsed Haggerty before he even entered the race, though Haggerty's Republican challenger, Manny Sethi, was endorsed by other prominent conservatives such as Texas Senator Ted Cruz and Kentucky Senator Rand Paul. The race turned negative, with Sethi criticizing Haggerty's background in private equity and longtime friendship with Utah Senator Mitt Romney and promoting himself as the more committed ally of President Trump. In return, Haggerty pointed to a small donation Sethi made to a Democratic candidate through a liberal online fundraising platform, though Sethi says the donation was made by his wife to a family friend. In the end, Sethi, an orthopedic surgeon and political novice, fell to Haggerty, gaining just under 40 percent of the vote compared to Haggerty's 50 percent. Haggerty will take on Democratic challenger Marquita Bradshaw for retiring Senator Lamar Alexander's seat in November. In Burlingame, California, I'm Stella Lawrence for WTBU News. Finally, an update from Mia McCarthy about a plane crash in India. On Friday night, an Air India plane flying in torrential rain skidded off of the runway trying to land and crashed in Kerala, India. The accident killed 17, according to reports on Friday, and at least 120 were injured out of the 174 passengers, two pilots, four cabin crew, and 10 infants on board. The plane was an Air India Express Boeing 737 and reportedly overshot the runway, causing it to drop 35 feet while trying to land at Kozikode Kalika International Airport. The crash caused the plane to break in half. The crash was mainly caused by the bad weather conditions, and it was reported that the pilot had previously tried to land due to the weather, however, instead ended up turning around. In Boston, Massachusetts, I'm Mia McCarthy for WTBU News. That's it for this edition of WTBU News Today. Be sure to tune in to our full program every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern over on WTBU Radio. On behalf of Grace Ferguson, Alex Corey, Evan Jimenez, and Jenny Cornraish, I'm Stella Lawrence reporting from Burlingame, California for WTBU News.